On February 11th of this year, Subhash Chaudhary, CTO and founder of Dukan, a hot new e-commerce startup in Bangalore, posted the salaries of nine new hires. That tweet went viral. This is Subhash reading his tweet for us. Lead business analyst, current salary 23 lakhs, offer in hand by juice, 48 lakhs, offer to be made 52 lakhs. Senior business analyst, current salary 16 lakhs. The tweet literally came with a screen grab of a spreadsheet, the kind that's been put together in a few seconds and shared internally. Name of role, current compensation, offer in hand, offer made. There were a total of nine new hires. Of the nine hires, the first offer in hand, the pre-Dukan offer, on an average was a 70% jump on current salary. And the Dukan offer, the offer that was finally accepted on an average, was a 16% jump on that. So if your previous salary was 100 rupees, your offer at Dukan, on an average, was 196 rupees, nearly double. The very next day, the CTO of Chingari, a unicorn startup based out of Bangalore, also posted salaries of six new hires, not by name, but by role. This tweet also went viral. This is Tariq Wali, CTO of Chingari, reading his tweet for us. Senior software engineer backend current comp is 25 lakhs and offered comp is 43 lakhs. Engineering manager backend current comp 75 lakhs and offered comp is 1.35 CR. Communications lead. Here the jumps were less spectacular, but still pretty high. If your current salary was 100, at Chingari, you were looking at an offer of 165 rupees. You can see why tweets like this would go viral. First, everybody loves hearing salary numbers, especially when they're big. This is something that IITIM placement media cells have milked for years. Big numbers make for delicious, aspirational stories. And that tweet confirmed what everyone in the startup world had sensed, but no one could pin down precisely. Everyone knew that the tech talent market was hot, crazy increments were in the air. But here you had cold, hard, indisputable numbers from founder Twitter handles themselves. And not 15 or 20 or 30% hikes, but 65% hikes, 100% hikes, jumps that were unprecedented. And then there's a third, less obvious reason. You see, it's not unusual for a corporation to release a salary of an employee when asked for it. The SEBI requires that the salaries of top 10 professionals of a publicly listed company are made public. Salaries of government officials are public. Many, but not all, job listings carry a salary range of some kind. Out in the West, states like California, Colorado, Rhode Island, Washington and the United States, are passing laws to make salary ranges known to public. The European Parliament is looking to pass a law along these lines as well because they believe that this will make salaries more equitable. In the US, some businesses like Buffer are putting out their numbers as a practice in pay transparency. Microsoft in June announced that they were going to make salary bans public for the same reason. Here in India, we tell our salaries when we need to. In a matrimonial ad or on a scholarship application, sometimes we give salary slips and offer letters when a new employer asks. But in all of these instances, salaries are disclosed when asked for or published systematically as a policy for ethical and legal reasons. 
but it is rare for us to release our salaries in ordinary circumstance for most of us the salary is a private confidential contract between employer and employee our salaries are the one part of our jobs that are shrouded in secrecy and we know without anyone specifically ever telling us that they're not to be ordinarily shared with our colleagues for reasons of politeness but also for business reasons we like our salaries private but here you have two businesses unsolicited of their own volition breaking that unspoken cardinal rule this is cost to company ken's weekly podcast about work we tell you what's happening in your workplace before you hear it on slack i'm your host sneha and in this our pilot episode of ctc we will explore why these tweets were posted and what happens when you break this cardinal rule of business we will see what this experiment the publishing of a salary does to a business does it in fact make salaries more fair and equitable and is the relationship between employee and employer bound by goodwill and a confidential fiduciary contract changed for good Why Subhash and Tariq put out those tweets in the first place? We use the oldest journalist trick in the book. We ask someone else. Right. So essentially, maybe if you uh, have to answer that, you'll have to understand your global and Indian macroeconomic uh, situation here, especially with respect to the startups. This is Bimal Vishwam. Bimal is a compensation professional working in HR at India's largest edtech company, Byju's. He's here talking in strictly personal capacity and I found over the course of our conversation that he's a macro thinker and someone who thinks in structures rather than people. Uh I think in the last uh, I would say 18 to uh, 24 months you one you have a lot of uh, you know private equity you know venture capital funds chasing Indian startups that's one. A uh, lot of uh, companies becoming uh, unicorns, decacorns etc. FYI Indian startups got a total of 36 billion dollars of funding in 2021 which is more than a 333% rise from VC money invested in 2020 So essentially if you look at the entire ecosystem there uh, especially with early stage startups the game is all about valuation and I'm I'm saying here without making any judgments uh, so and especially in a tech in a tech productized kind of a company if the game is valuation you need to have talent who can just come in and you know build your products from scratch without uh, any supervision i would say without much direction uh, and without much hand holding so here you had vcs pumping money to startups and in exchange they want their investees to grow in valuation and how do startups grow in valuation an oversimplified answer is by building more and more products and how do startups build products with engineers So with incoming VC investment the demand for engineers skyrocketed but there's been no commensurate rise in the number of available engineers rather and I'm choosing my words very carefully there's no increase in supply of demonstrably able engineers 
In other words, demand for able engineers went up, but supply didn't. And so startups found themselves competing with each other for a limited pool of able tech talent. And how do you compete to attract talent? Let's hear from Bimal from Baijus. So I did go through both the tweets. And uh, the way I look at these tweets, are essentially they are signaling to your labor market. And when I say signaling to your labor market, you're kind of signaling to your potential candidates that, hey, we would kind of give you very aggressive, very astronomical hikes. And we are also ready to outbid the competition. So they think that's the best move because I need to attract talent come what may. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to pay the price and, and, and absolutely OK, because that's my business strategy. So I'm not being judgmental about that. So that's what they're doing. They're kind of signaling to the labor market. So aggressive salaries is one way of fighting for engineering talent. But advertising those salaries, literally putting them out on Twitter, like, folks, check out what we can pay. That's innovation. Maybe I think a few years, I don't know, a few years or months back, there were founders who were offering very fancy cars, fancy vacations, etc. to attract talent. So that's another signal. I presume Bimal's talking about Bharat Pay giving BMW bikes to coders, which counts as innovation as well. And then there are hiring problems that are specific to startups. Back on the mic, we have Tariq Wali, CTO of Chingari. Chingari launched in 2018. Within 72 hours of launch, they hit half a million downloads. And four years later, now they're a unicorn. Uh, we believe so. now startups have startup problems in terms of attracting the right talent, right? Unlike a lot of other big tech giants, you know, who establish uh, you know, engineering maturity process, branding over a period of time. Therefore, it's a no-brainer for them to get the right talent, good pedigree, uh, you know, startup experience, people who are, you know, willing to sort of, you know, go through that startup hustle. A startup is not an incumbent. A startup does not benefit from status quo. It is a disruptor. A startup is tasked with stealing the best tech talent from businesses with stronger identities, recruiting people who would have otherwise chosen to work for an Amazon or a Google or even an older startup like Razorpay. And uh, as a startup, we have very few leverages at place. And one of which is really, hey, you know what? You get paid for what you are really worth. Uh, not just in terms of the comp, but in terms of the promotions, in terms of the, you know, uh, the functional aspects of the role as well. You know, what that means is if you have been a software engineer in an organization for four years, or five years, and the chances are that, you know, you're due for a promotion and you haven't earned it and you're going to be a senior software engineer at Chingari and uh, likely to make more money than, you know, you would get through your appraisal or otherwise. The tweets were Tariq and Subhash saying, we know that there are lots of cool businesses to work for, but ours is cool and can pay you more. And to drive that point home, they took to the most accessible tool available to them, Twitter. This isn't just hiring. This is guerrilla hiring. The market that we are seeing right now is not the market that we had six months back or, or even one year back. I've hired people, good front-end engineers for 10 lakhs as well. That was the market one and a half years back. Recently, I've hired an intern, intern, at 18 lakh salary and 10 lakh rupees are joining bonus. The founder paying an intern a 10 lakh rupee joining bonus is Subhash Chaudhary of Dukan. Dukan is an e-commerce startup that builds storefronts and logistics systems for Kirana stores and D2C brands. The last known public valuation is $71 million in 2021. It's grown both in products and scope since. Why is he worth that much to you? And, and I'm not talking just about talent. Why is this role worth that much to you? Because the thing that we do, right, the core technology that we built, 
right? He is a core contributor in that technology. He understands that technology more than anyone else. He is one of the core guys in that technology itself. He he is the kind. He works with the team who builds that technology, which we use. If I can get him, he knows a lot more about those things than we do internally. If I can just get someone on, let's say, consultancy basis, to do that, it will cost me more. Subhash says that if he were to hire consultants to help with the same skill, it would cost over two hundred thousand dollars for a part-time consultant. But here he gets the same skills in a full-time intern. So is that intern not worth a ten lakh rupee joining bonus? So if I can get someone who like similar to those guys, why not? I can pay him. That's okay. But this is some. I mean, similar. It would have costed me anyway. Plus the kind of cost that you can have when you build the wrong thing, that you can't put a really dollar value, right? To sum it up, here it is. At the time of the tweet posting, startups and companies were facing the problem of plenty on one side versus the problem of scarcity on the other. Plentyhood of capital, cheap and voluminous amounts of cash, but tech talent, independent, self-motivated, capable, ready tech talent—that was in shortfall. That was the limiting factor. So startups were working almost like platforms. On one side, they were luring engineers and product folks with abundance of cash, BMWs, joining bonuses, loud auctions, and announcements on Twitter. And on the other side, they were selling products for valuations. And if you notice, the people making these tweets aren't CEOs; they're CTOs. They're people tasked with hiring tech talent, the number one priority for a tech business. This brings us to the question. Does the signaling, does the cold cash on Twitter, do people respond to it? Does it really work? Uh, my DMs had, I still have six over six hundred hundred messages from pretty much everyone, uh, all the companies, people who talked about, uh, people who talked about ethics, people who talked about uh, culture, people who talked about everything else, people from those companies who are still in my DM waiting to get a reply. Short answer: the tweet brought in applicants, hundreds of candidates. It turns out. Waving salaries can get you attention when you need it. There are some people who do purpose-driven jobs. Purpose-driven jobs basically means that okay, you have a purpose that you want to solve, and there is only one or two or three companies where you can actually get the job and solve that purpose. That makes perfectly sense. That for creative people, for media persons, there are a lot of industries where purpose-driven jobs works fine, where you can have a very good satisfaction into what you're doing. Then there are these developers, right? The techies that you hire. These people have a very specific goal, a very specific task to do. There's no There is still a purpose, but there is no so so much that okay they will devote their entire life for that. If they can get better money for that, they will probably think twice. Eventually, and his experiment backs this up. Many, if not most, techies respond enthusiastically to money. This is a market of mercenaries. Because really, why do you work with an organization? End of the day, is really clearly for one or two reasons. We are back to Tariq of Chingari. The role, the impact that you make, and therefore you that 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 creates a drive in you. The second is really how well you are compensated, right? Now, comp and ben is a function of many things, right? It's a function of employee benefits and policies and flexible work hours and whatnot, right? Compensation is a major part of it. Incentive is a major part of it, and we just happen to kind of you know press that button a little bit and say, hey, you know what? We're going to pay you well. This brings us to an inflection point in the episode. We've kind of figured out why the tweets were posted. We now know also that the tweets got the businesses the attention they wanted on a highly competitive, highly stressed tech talent market. 
But what we've yet to figure out is what happened internally after the tweets were posted. More specifically, how did other employees of the business react? What did they think of their colleagues' salaries? The year is 2015. Erica Baker, a Google employee for a decade, an engineer and a field technician, has just had an outrageous idea. Or well, actually, she learns it's not as outrageous as she thinks. By law, she cannot be fired or cannot be reprimanded for doing this. So she does it. The thing she does is create a spreadsheet, one with columns for Google employees to fill in their salaries, their roles, their gender, where they live, their race, that kind of stuff. And that spreadsheet spreads like wildfire. Within days, that spreadsheet has salaries of 5% of Google employees. People are making pivot tables, people are doing statistical analyses. And in the first week, then month, then year, Erica hears that many, many employees write to their managers to have their salaries revised. Employees from all of the world are sending her peer bonuses, which is $150 added to her paycheck because they love what she's done. But Google doesn't like it. They can't fire her because that would be illegal. But those peer bonuses are held back by her manager. And she's made to feel like this isn't cool. Which is to say, we know this intuitively, but also anecdotally, that making salaries public almost always results in internal conflict. It's a nightmare for many business leaders that once employees see each other's salaries, everyone will get upset because what they've effectively done is place a scoreboard on a person's head and said this is that person's worth. It's like children finding out which sibling their parents like more. And it's almost inevitable, really, that not everyone will be happy about their own scores and are much more likely to be unhappy about scores that are higher than their own. We've talked about the the hiring quality response, the response on Twitter. If you can also talk about internally what happened. Did anything happen internally? Was there any delta? No, no, no. no. So uh, actually, the uh, the very funny story is uh, before this tweet was put out, right, uh, the very reason I asked for this data was I we had a appraisal cycle too uh, where we wanted to do appraisals for people because uh, uh, we are almost one year since we list the last round and we did last appraisal when we did the last round. So, so I, I asked my HR team that, okay, send me data on what is the current increment cycle in the industry, that how much everyone is paying, we'll probably do more than that. So that is the data I asked for. And uh, to get a benchmark of how, uh, how much everyone is paying, the right benchmark was that, okay, you do one thing, you give me details of only those people who left their job, who had offer, where we also offered. That will give you a very good number of, let's say, for example, your uh, senior business analyst, right? Uska offer was how much? Let's say Uska offer was senior business was around, let's say, 35 lakhs. So that is the benchmark for that role. If I have someone internally who is also a senior business analyst, I should match him on that level. That was the very reason I asked that data for. Once I had the data, I looked at it. We decided our internal uh, appraisal cycles. Uh, so you made sure internally everyone was caught up before taking this public, before before posting exactly, on Twitter? Exactly, 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 exactly. Uh, not, not, not even matchup. We actually gave them more, not just matchup. Which gave them more because we can. Subhash says he didn't see any internal conflict because internally he made sure everyone was up to the same standard. They'd applied some principle of pay parity, which in this case was figuring out the market value of a role, and were already paying everyone equitably at that level or above. I posed the same question to Tariq of Chingari. If I may pull you back a little bit to 
um, did it in any way affect team morale internally? No, not, not at, at all. all. Not at all. Not is at there all. anyone who came to you and said, "Hey, boss, if that guy is getting this, what's up with me?" No, because at Chingari we do apply the right sort of a lens in terms of what we pay and who we pay and sort of you know at what levels they come in. So therefore, everyone goes through that process. What do you mean, right lens? Like uh, this is this this is a, this is a function of really ensuring that you do the salary correction, right? And salary correction, and basically you pay people. One is there's a skill and craft, right? So that's a tech part of it in terms of you knowing the functional requirements, right? You match the skill and requirement by the craft. The second is also based on how smart you are and the potential that you have. This is where we accidentally chance upon something seriously cool, an experiment that yielded interesting results. Subhash and Tariq wanted to publish salaries on Twitter to lure talent, and the gamut worked. Both of them received lots of candidate interest. But unlike the Erica Baker at Google story, there were no secondary consequences. No colleagues fighting over relative worth inside the company, no resignations, no internal conflict. And the reason it panned out this way unlike Google was that both founders had corrected salaries internally. Subhash made sure everyone was brought up to market, Tariq ensured everyone got paid what they're worth in terms of skill, craft, smarts and potential. Corrections were made to pay everyone fairly. And this, dear listeners, is otherwise known as pay equity. And what the Subhash and Tariq experiment tells us is that pay equity and pay transparency which is just putting out salaries in public are intrinsically linked first from talking to women uh, over the course of this episode we found that every woman we spoke to presumes and this is this it the default presumption is that we are making less money than men who are doing the same job we are making right. less money than men who are doing the le- a lesser job we are making less money than <laughs> men who are doing much much less um yeah. First of all, is is I know that this is a it's a tough question, but in yeah. your experience as an HR professional and an HR compensation professional, is it fair that women have these insecurities? Uh, I think it's absolutely fair that, uh, and I'm and I'm, I'll also validate the perception. I think it's true. It's true. This is Bimal Vishwam from Byjuts, who I will remind our listeners is speaking strictly in personal capacity, and he is saying. generally and not specifically about byjus that if you look at numbers most businesses have a pay equity problem tell us why is pay equity desirable for an organization why should an organization care about pay equity maybe i'll take a step back before i delve uh, to your specific question uh, you know what is pay equity so essentially uh, what is pay equity or the answer that businesses normally seek when they do a pay equity exercise for the organization is are there unexplainable differences in your compensation or in your pay that you pay or or the level of compensation that you pay for your employees explainable differences according to bimal are differences in seniority skills performance functions wisdom geographies cost of living differentials having differences in salary based on these is pay equity an unexplainable difference is a difference made out of bias it's a difference in salary that's born of an employee's race religion gender class sexuality caste if there's a difference in pay that's not explainable 
then you have pay disparity. And guess what? There are women who, surprise, surprise, don't want to get paid less for the same work. And uh, I was a news anchor. I was uh, doing prime time. I was doing uh, uh, politician interviews, celebrity interviews. I was doing a bunch of stuff after leaving the organization for two years. That's Shruti Chaturvedi, founder of Chai Pani, a content and media startup. She's also a former news anchor, founder, vocal feminist, social media superstar, and an outspoken critic of the government. Uh, and going back to my colleagues and just randomly talking to them is when I realized that I was, for the same amount of job that I was doing, I was getting at least 30% less than my other colleagues at that time. Shruti discovered years after exiting journalism that she was getting paid at least 30% less than her male colleagues for more work than the men. But can we talk a moment about how much the makeup is a part of the job? And can you tell us about the allowances? Uh, yes, so for makeup, you basically get vouchers and uh, for, for, your, uh, for your grooming. So you get vouchers for nails, you get vouchers for waxing. And there is a certain protocol that has to be followed that your hair has to be a particular way, your body size has to be a particular way. And this is always, always for women. You can't repeat your clothes. You have to look a certain way the whole time. Uh, uh, I remember why I quit TV was my producer actually from the studio said something like, Aapko pimple ho gaya, pimple hata do. Kal tak pimple hata do. And I was like, how do I do that? And why do I do that? Why is that pimple so important right now? <laughs> I'm actually coming up with a really good story. How is that pimple important? Of course, this isn't the only industry that requires women to do the same core work as men. Plus the extra work of looking the part. Cannot have pimples. So when Shruti started Chai Pani, she instituted a radical pay transparency policy. Everything was transparent. Funding, members of the cap table, individual stakes, salaries. All compensation information about all 72 employees is available to everyone. So the whole plan is always open for every employee to see. So they know how much the business is making. If they are making us money, they are also making money out of it. Having all the information available to everyone holds Shruti and her business accountable for pay equity. It's a little like the Right to Information Act. The information itself creates opportunities for redressal. If you're paid unfairly, you now know and so you can bring it up. And slowly we see a pattern beginning to emerge. Subhash and Tariq, both founders, wandered into pay equity as a second-order consequence of wanting to put salaries out on Twitter. And then you have Shruti, who instituted pay transparency to achieve internal equity. Equity and transparency, they're twins. You want transparency for whatever reason, you need equity. And if you want equity, you're going to need transparency. And these three aren't the only people to have noticed. As a woman, I am often worried about whether I'm getting paid less than my male counterparts. This is Astha Shukla a former VC, now a startup employee, and a feminist. She's someone who tries to think from a business perspective and an employee perspective and from a gender lens. And an organization that is truly transparent about, you know, what goes into my salary, what I can influence about it, what I can't influence about it. And um, I think lastly, just, you know, how it compares to the people that I'm working with can give me that comfort that I'm not, being discriminated against, right? Whether that's uh, consciously or unconsciously. Asta sees transparent salaries as an end to the anguish of being paid unfairly. If women are constantly worrying about being paid lesser than men, salary transparency is a relief. 
I think the one good example I've seen for this is actually in the freelance community. I saw this, I think, a couple of years ago on Instagram, where I think I've seen a couple of people come together anonymously, talk about work they did, what they charged for it, and just publicly put out that information as an Instagram post and say, this is what it is, right? Freelancers know how much to charge. Transparency and equity as twins. And just as there are mercenaries who can be lured by money, there are women employees who can be lured by transparency. Just to give you a hypothetical example, if I'm looking at managerial positions, manager in company A, manager in company B, these are two job listings on LinkedIn. This is Mitali. She's been working in the advertising industry for a decade. And it's an industry, numerous sources have told us, that is plagued with inequity. If both the jobs mention a salary band right there and then, I know which company is more likely to give me a fair uh, treatment in terms of salary and CTC compensation going forward in the future too. Which company can also be more fair in terms of giving me the right opportunities and which company is going to give me fair in terms of uh, KPIs and metrics when it comes to evaluating my performance. Uh, but the second thing that the company, any company, or rather it should be a norm that there should be um, an open space, a safe space to have these conversations with the management in the first place. Nowadays, what happens if I do go up to someone in HR or the senior management with this problem that why am I being paid 50% less for the same work that my peer is doing? They're going to shut me down. They're going to say, oh, we do not discuss other salaries over here. So at least those conversation safe spaces need to be there within companies. So it isn't just big numbers that lure employees. Sometimes the fact of putting out salaries in public, this commitment to transparency itself can bring in talent. Talent that doesn't want to worry at night that they're being paid unfairly. Talent that wants to have difficult conversations in open spaces, in the interest of justice. Let's take a moment to see how far we've come. We began with Subhash and Tariq, two startup founders in Bangalore, who saw in February that the talent market is berserk. And they decided to do something new to disrupt it. They waved flags of cash on Twitter. And Twitter duly responded. And the two men accidentally discovered that in order to do this, they have to first bring in equity to their compensation systems. You can't put out salaries without making sure employees are happy with what they're making relative to what other employees are making. And so Subhash and Tariq saw then what we now do. Transparency and equity are closely linked. Transparency demands equity. And we also saw along the way that this twin duo of equity and transparency is highly desirable to many women. Women who want to be paid fairly and want to know what others are getting paid first. But this is where fate betrays us. The recordings you've heard so far were done way back in March. March was a different time. Back then, startups were loaded with cash. Cash was abundant and cheap and the talent market was competitive. When it came to startups, all you could see was green. And then in May, everything changed. Markets collapsed globally. The same startups that were giving unprecedented hikes were laying off employees in the hundreds. Overnight valuation mattered less, survival more. The rules of recruitment in March no longer applied in June. 
Hi Subhash. We are recording this on June 21st, 4 months after the original interview. Subhash, how has the market changed since? Of course. So, we all have seen right that on Twitter every every VC in town is trying to tell you that uh, bro renvex tend kar lo. Sab fata hua hai, market fata hua hai. What Subhash just said was market fata hua hai. That is the market is broken. So things has been slowed on a lot in the market. I speak with a lot of engineering managers even uh, CTOs and uh, all of them had either either slowed down or not actively that actively hiring that aggressively hiring. Even I have a with this new market and hiring slowing slowing have your hiring strategies also changed? Do you see yourself putting tweets of salaries out on Twitter now? So uh, that time uh, the competitive offers people were giving that was a lot. This was a neck to neck competition that time. Right now, I don't see that many competitive offers being thrown at at uh, the candidates that we actually interview for. Okay, so the thing that set this conversation off in the first place, that thing is no longer happening. That specific innovation, putting out salaries on Twitter as a "look at how much I can pay you," evolved in a cash-rich market. But this is no longer a cash-rich market. There's no more auctioning talent on Twitter, and if there's no Twitter signaling, is there? any incentive to equity why would subhash and tarik who are tasked with keeping businesses growing through what many think is a recession why would they right now care about equity now then coming back to your specific question why is pay equity desirable we're back to bimal from byjus look at it from an economic perspective you're also trying to say that you know similar worth of roles are being paid similarly that essentially means that you will have it a less you are at a lesser risk of losing talent because they are paid significantly low you're also kind of scrutinizing uh, your employee population are people you know paid significantly higher because of any of these unexplainable reasons so if someone is not performing at best someone is not coming up with those niche talent if you are paying that person significantly high then obviously that's a cost to the business and let's face it whether or not you put out salaries formally They make their way to us on drunk nights with colleagues and at the water cooler. A glaring inequity can very easily become a productivity problem, an engagement problem, an attrition problem. And if you're also paying a certain demographic higher than what they're worth, why would you do that? Why would you spend more time than you need to? So equity is desirable, not just for women, but in the interest of keeping conflict low, attrition low, and to cut inflated salaries. Lucky for us, Bimal has good news. He posits that there are ways to get into equity even if market conditions change. There are ways to get to equity without transparency. You would also see a very strong correlation between women representation and pay inequity. We'll see a very strong correlation, and organizations which have kind of uh, committed themselves to increasing diversity for sure would have committed themselves for pay equity as well because otherwise. they obviously can't uh, you know meet their business objective you're making a beautiful and very important point so you're saying for a woman who wants pay equity who doesn't want to feel screwed over choose organizations that have more women is that sort of your saying what you're saying choose organizations where more women or even choose organizations who have a strong commitment towards uh, you know uh, diversity is a proven way to equity if you have an office with lots of women in management roles it's going to be pretty hard to systematically pay them less than men more minorities has been found to improve equity to start with even if you 
don't have significant at least start working with companies which then have significantly committed over the years to increase their representation have i would say affirmative actions to basically you know increase your representation then it not just impacts your pay then it impacts your work culture it's a more diverse place then it kind of also impacts or reduces a lot of unconscious bias that people have you'll be very surprised a lot of male managers still have a lot of conscious and unconscious bias about hiring women in workplace there's also some micro stuff and ask your management questions there is absolutely no tab ask your management questions on how has my pay been decided how was my performance being how have you related that to this and here's the big one at the time of hiring don't reveal your previous salary now when you look at past salary what you're trying to do is you're kind of inheriting pay equity to your organization you're bringing in pay equity to your organization so if you're a certain class of people who have been paid historically low level so whatever be reasons if i am i if i may take an example maybe returning mothers or you know people taking breaks in their work they're coming back then and if you're using past salary as like a as as an input to decide their current compensation then you are obviously inheriting pay equity yeah? an indian economy growing at 8% can't catch up with a us economy growing at 1% the difference itself is growing exponentially and this is the root cause of most inequity and if you're a business so you need to do a proper statistical analysis of your compensation data and your compensation history to showcase either to your internal stakeholders there's no pay inequity and to your external stakeholders that there is no pay inequity look at the data run regressions look for differences that are unexplainable so see the point is there is apps goodness yeah. good business yeah good business people will absolutely understand because and people who have not really understood that has definitely has had negative impact on their business in one way or the other they are definitely if not in the short run in the long run in the maybe in the form of labor strife maybe in the form of higher attrition maybe in the form of even you know untoward incidents a lot of aspects actually so all those things kind of uh, have just yeah with or without twitter bimal thinks pay equity is good for business and we didn't even discuss ethics once This was a podcast from the Ken. This episode of Cost to Company was written, hosted and produced by Sneha Vakharia with audio engineering by Rajiv CN. The theme music was composed, written and recorded by Sand Dunes. If you have thoughts, feelings or episode ideas, write to us at podcast@the-ken.com. If you like the podcast and want to know more, follow the Ken web on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. Oh and don't forget to leave us a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us there or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Shrivar and next week I'll speak to you about the layoffs of 2022. Who bears the brunt of a global meltdown? Who will survive this winter that's been around for far too long? Which companies have to let their valuations slip and let their employees go? And within these companies, who gets laid off first? Stay tuned.